Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, guys, welcome in. We are live. I'm just going to let this breathe for a second. Make sure the stream is good. Looks good. Feels good. Let's do this. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, live presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, today we got some news that John Elway has decided to continue to kind of shake up the Broncos front office, cutting ties, parting ways mutually with analytics director, czar, guru guy. His name is Mitch Tanney. And Mitch Tanney, of course, was hired in 2015, early in, during the offseason, 2015. And he's actually done quite a dang good job to make the Broncos analytics department amongst the most revered in the NFL. So it's curious that John Elway and Tanny came to this decision. Obviously, this was probably a, a John Elway decision more so than it was a Mitch Tanny decision. But what was your gut reaction to the news? Uh, another man loses his job and Tom McMahon still has a job. That was my takeaway from that. But on a more serious note, I don't put a ton of stock into analytics. I don't think they make or break a football team. It's not like baseball with the athletics. It's not that big of the game. I don't think the loss of Tanny is going to affect the Broncos on the field, but it's just a- another example of Elway really redefining the organization, how he sees fit. And I think they're putting whoever he's going to replace him with, if they replace him, a guy with more experience, maybe you're a guy that works better with the current personnel. He might've rubbed Vic Fangio the wrong way. We probably won't know the real reason for it, but that's another front office guy. They already had their coaching staff on the offensive side kind of reworked. It's Elway fine tuning the, the, the product from top to bottom, I think knowing that they turned a corner with the franchise quarterback and they're entering a new era of Broncos football. There's a few more topics, or I should say a few more points on this topic that I want to touch on. But first, let me just welcome in those of you who've been hanging out in the room. Buona Beast, Jason, Stu, what's up, William, David, Ryan. Uh, Good to have you guys. Thanks for joining us live. And the room is continuing to fill up on Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. We're going to dive more into this topic. First, a quick matter of business. Guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Also, make sure you're following the site on Twitter, at MileHighHuddle. This is simply the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then by following at MileHighHuddle on Twitter, you're staying on top of all things Broncos in 
real time. So take care of that business. And then don't forget to head on over to huddleuppod.com and pick out the hat, the hoodie, the t-shirt, whatever is, is to your fancy of your choice. Another great organic way to support the show. And later on, I'll, I'll drop a link in the, in the comment stream and maybe we can do a share screen, show you guys what's, what's newest in the store, but it only exists thanks to your popular demand. Zach got it up. We've been adding products as we go here and we're going to continue to do that. So make sure you take some time and check that out. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, one other thing I wanted to touch on here from Cliss's article. Mike Cliss, by the way, is who broke this news. Uh, that the Broncos are moving on from Mitch Tanney. <clears throat> a couple things I wanted to touch on from this article. People wonder, so what's next? What, what, you know, when the Broncos, for example, parted with their cap wizard, Mike Sullivan, they immediately hired Rich Hurtado. And that's who's going to be running point basically on all the negotiations and free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what, here's a quote from the article from Cliff. Quote, to replace the well-regarded Tanny. A source close to Elway said the team is expected to reshape its analytics department from within. Scott Flaska, who had been Tanny's top assistant, could have an increased role. Flaska is respected in the analytics community, in particular among other NFL teams. The Broncos analytics department also employs a data scientist, Emily Cooler, a Stanford University grad who joined the Broncos last season. And then one other thing I wanted to read here, people wonder, what exactly is it that the analytics department does? It can kind of be a, mer- a mercurial topic, you know, mysterious. What What's really going on with analytics? One way that they inf- they impact the product on the field is like during game day, right, Zach? Like if Vic Fangio faces a crucial fourth and whatever, or do I go for two here? What do I do? Wow. Radio up to Mitch Tanney in the booth. He'll tell you what the analytics say you should do, what the odds are on this, down and distance, et cetera, at this point in the game when you go for two, et cetera, and then – Fangio makes his decision. But one additional thing I want to read here that Cliss talked about what Tanny and the analytics department's responsibility is, I think is interesting. Here's what he said, quote, Tanny had been the Broncos analytics guru the past five seasons. His job entailed providing objective research and analysis, <clears throat> excuse me, that influenced football decisions for personnel executives, in particular evaluating draft prospects and free agents, as well as coaches, trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, close quote. So Zach, it wasn't just analytics on the field. It was also advanced analytics that helped form complete pictures of a scouting report for both a college prospect and like an NFL veteran free agent. 
I mean, it, it definitely has value, I think, in an NFL front office chat. It can't hurt to have that type of information at your disposal. But I just don't think it's going to amount to wins and losses on the field. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm just a believer in passing the eye test and having the instincts to be the coach and knowing what to do in that down and distance, not relying on what a number says. I don't think the loss of Tanning or how they're going to reshape the department, though, is going to affect the Broncos on the field. They have bigger fish to fry and ultimately um, a, a bigger – key factor in Drew Locke this season that has to step up and make the difference between, you know, being another non-playoff season or being a playoff team again. So they're going to overcome this. I look at it more as just Elway kind of really fine-tuning and taking control of what he thinks has led to the Broncos' deficiencies the last couple seasons. It's just curious, and you think about, or I ask myself this, why now? Why is Elway shaking things up in the front office? It's got to have a little something to do, I would think, with the losing that's gone on in Denver post-Super Bowl 50. Yeah. But at the same time, the irony here is that both the guys in the front office that Elway has moved on from this offseason were well-regarded and considered to be amongst the best in that role across the NFL. I mean, Mike Sullivan was was considered one of, if not the best, contract negotiators in the NFL and the Broncos, cap-wise, man, they've, they've consistently been one of the healthiest NFL teams during the John Elway front office era with him on board. Hardly ever, and only until post-Super Bowl 50, were they carrying any dead cap. I mean, John Elway hardly ever had dead cap, and that's thanks to Mike Sullivan. And the same can be said for Mitch Tanney in terms of how respected the Broncos analytics department is league-wide. And it is curious because I used to take that that perspective as well, Zach, that you know, analytics were kind of much ado about nothing. However, you look at the proliferation of of like the media sites like Pro Football Focus, Football Outsiders. Yeah. I mean, PFF, when I first started using it as a member of the media, it was like a, I don't know, 30 bucks for the year subscription. And you got all the advanced analytics, the premium stats, they call it now. And today, if you want access to that information, you're paying a significantly higher fee. And they actually curate and and create specific packages to sell to NFL teams. So NFL teams are utilizing, not all of them, some of them are utilizing PFF analytics. So if anyone who's seen the movie Moneyball understands that analytics just provides an additional layer to the evaluation, but it is something, Zach, whether it's pro baseball, as Moneyball you know, touches on, to, to pro football, that pro sports teams in America are embracing. And John Elway, you got to tip his cap to him. He was one of the first in the NFL to really jump into that hat uh, with both feet. It is curious, the timing, and it leads me to believe that Elway is not happy with how the last free agent class, last couple of free agent classes have gone. That's why he ditched Mike Sullivan. Now it's why he ditched Rich Tanney now before free agency starts. Look at last year. They spent on Juwan James, a record-setting contract. They spent on Bryce Callahan, a, a big investment that didn't work out for them. And I think maybe he's looking for scapegoats on Elway. Maybe he's looking to fire or get rid of the guys that he feels responsible for the lackluster free agent classes. I don't know, but it's 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 a good point you mentioned when, with the time timing of it right before the combine, right before the open market opens. We'll have to see what they do here, but I don't think analytics is going to hurt them as much as some people might think. All right, let's grab this super chat from James Dean. And James, while Zach is answering this question for you, well, by the way, thank you for the donation. He says, I'm concerned with us not being aggressive enough. Well, you touch on that as an idea, Zach. I'm going to pull up. I promised you, James, that we'd go back and grab your two super chats that we missed yesterday. I'm going to grab those while, while Zach answers that. He says, talking about being concerned with the Broncos not being aggressive enough. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about there, but I mean, in terms of on, you know, in free agency or in terms of the draft, I don't know. Cause nothing's really happened yet. What that can apply to Chad. I, I don't know the, the context of that question. All right. We'll, we'll grab it here. Um, bear with us, James. And by the way, thank you for the yes. donation, bro. It means the world to us. Keep dropping the questions you. too. Yes. We'll try to get to them. We're going to grab your super chats. I'm going to get this question. Uh, let Zach grab it while I finish um, finding your questions from yesterday. From Micah on Facebook, he says, Chad, I've heard you multiple times say that you were against wide receiver in the first. What position would you like to see addressed in the first, and who would that be? Honestly, Micah, in the first, for me, it all co- it comes down to blue chip BPA. Obviously, you're not taking a quarterback if the best player available on your board is a quarterback. You got that locked down. So I'm talking about offensive line, I'm talking about defensive line, cornerback, possibly off-ball linebacker if Isaiah uh, Simmons were to fall that far. So um, 
you know, and I'm not like hardcore on the Broncos avoid wide receiver in the first. It's just when you're going up against such a stacked class, Zach, it makes me think that you can live to fight another day and, and do something else in the first round. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos can go many different ways with their first round draft pick. They have many needs to fill on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately for them, the players that can fall into their laps would fit those positions just perfectly and be day one contributors, if not starters. In terms of specific prospects, excuse me, um, Ruggs is wide receiver, Tristan Wurst for tackle, and Javon Kinlaw for defensive line. Those three players should be on the Broncos big board near the top at 15. And there's a really, really, really good chance they're going to end up with one of those three players. All right, guys, I'm going to grab these two questions from James because we want to be on the up and up with anyone who's supporting the show on Super Chat. James Dean says, this was from yesterday, and I can't display the the question on the screen, but here's what he said, Zach. If we do move up in the first round, what spot and who? If the Broncos were to make a play to move up in the first round, they're sitting at pick 15 now, who do you think they might be interested to give up a little extra something to move up? A wide receiver or a Jeffrey Okuda or an offensive lineman. It, it's got to be one of those three players. And it, it, to me, in terms of it, it's how they they rate the wide receivers in the pre-draft process. If Ruggs is the highest, if Lamb is the highest, if Judy is the highest, they would go up to get one of those guys. I, I don't think it's going to be Ken Law. I don't think it's going to be someone like Chanel. But if, if they have to fall in love with either a blocker or someone that can catch passes for Drew Locke because he is the number one priority. And even if they do make a move up, Chad, they're not going to jump from 15 to 5. They go from 15 to 12 or 10 highest for me. So uh, if, it, if it comes down, then I think it's for a wide receiver ultimately. Because the, the price of doing business, if you're moving from 15 into the top 10, I mean, think of what the Broncos accepted to move back from pick 10 last year to pick 20, right, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It cost the Steelers two third-round picks, a 2019 third-rounder and a 2020 third-rounder. The Broncos still have that 2020, the 2019 third-rounder that Broncos ended up using to move up and grab Drew Locke at pick 42. The Broncos have three, of course, this year. Do you really want to give up that positioning and having five selections in the top 100 to move up a few spots? I, it's extremely unlikely. I don't expect it to happen, as Zach is saying here. Uh, Steven wants to know what we think of Ruggs' hand size. Um, and by the way, Steven, you are the <laughs> record holder on Super Chat. It stands today. and I think it was 105, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday. It blew us away. We got you some gear coming. I, I think we yes. uh, corresponded yesterday on Twitter, you and I, Steven, after the show. Appreciate you. It's on the way. It's ordered. It's done. It's uh, probably by end of the week you should have some nice brand new Huddle Up Podcast, Mile High Huddle Schwag coming your way. But Ruggs' hand size, for those who missed it, 10 and one eighth inches, I believe. This dude has catcher's mitts, as Eric Trickle said, for hands. <laughs> and that can only help him. That's one of the reasons why you know, he didn't have a lot of drops in college. It's also one of the reasons why, when it's all said and done, he can be the number one receiver off the board, Chad. He can go in the top 10. The Broncos might not have a shot at him. So, yeah, he, he's looking like right now in shorts and a T-shirt, he's looking like the ideal wide receiver prospect. And the Broncos have to hope if they want him, he's going to at least fall to 10, 12 range. That way they can trade up for him. But as of right now, he's looking like a top 10 draft pick. All right, guys, there's one other one here from James Dean from yesterday that I don't want to pass over. He wanted to know... Domita Pecco, he says, wanted to be here, or in other words, he wanted to stay in Denver. Can we get him back? He went on, of course, to sign. Wasn't with the Ravens, Zach, and then he had a he had a pretty solid year with with Baltimore. I don't know that he is a free agent, but if he is, you know, Elway just hasn't been the type of GM to rekindle things with former players for whatever reason, with the exception of Brock Osweiler. I can't think of another former Bronco that John Elway has seen or allowed to walk out the door. <laughs> and then brings them back at some point down the road. It's really true. I'm trying to think myself, and I can't think of another player other than Osweiler, even a, even a, like a bottom-of-the-barrel type player. Maybe Kyle Pecco, Chad. He yo-yoed between the Broncos roster like 40 times. But in terms of Domita, yeah, that bridge is uh, it's not burned, but that ship has sailed for him coming back. They have a guy in Purcell who they'll bring back who's much better. He's younger, bigger upside for that spot. He was good for a while. He was in Denver, Pecco, but uh, I don't see him coming back. Joel on YouTube says, why isn't anyone talking about Kendall Fuller from Kansas City? It's a salient point. This isn't the first time I've been asked this, but I, for whatever reason, Bashad Breland has got more juice right now and as far as the two corners the Chiefs had last year that are hitting free agency this year. I wouldn't be opposed to Kendall Fuller, but he'd be more of a second wave free agent, in my opinion, than I would – I mean, there's a reason Bashad Breland is being talked about before Kendall Fuller. I would like the Broncos, and by the way, Bashad Breland is a guy the Broncos should be looking at. 
He'd be a really good fit with Fangio. Maybe Kendall Fuller too, but I'm less high on Fuller than I am Bashad Breeland. It kind of makes us look bad in the comments, Chad. People mentioning Corey Nelson and Dakota Watson, two players that came back to Denver. So I'll add okay. Zach Zach Kerr in there as well. That's a third. But yeah, it's been a really short list, and uh, Peko's not coming back. In terms of the cornerbacks, though, yeah, I'm, I'd rather, if they're going to splurge in free agency, if they're going to even target a corner in, on the open market, it's got to be Byron Jones. And if from a middle-of-the-pack guy, I like Prince Amukamara. He has experience with Vic Fangio. He would come in, know the system, contribute right away. And to me, he has better talent than Kendall Fuller in this in this scheme. So um, not my preferred plan A or plan B. He's more like a plan F right now. Hunter, my friend, uh, it's not showing up. I don't know what's going on on your end. We're not seeing him. I'm just taking a quick look now. It's, it's not showing up. But hey, man, it doesn't require a Super chat to get a question answered. Whatever you got on your mind, put it in here, bro, and we'll try and get to it tonight. Um, all right, let's jump up here. Stu McPeak jumping in and uh, throwing that. Where is he? There he is. Our dude, number Jeez, one super chat, superstar, as always. The man, he says, paying it forward, heading to Chicago tomorrow. So I might not be on for the rest of the week, so I'll try to keep up with the Twitter updates for the combine. Safe travels, Stu. Yeah, dude. Appreciate you no so worries. much and uh, enjoy the Windy City. I've, I've been in Chicago this time of year and one of the few times in my life that the cold actually took my breath away and made me not, I was just like stunned, happened in Chicago one time about this this time of the year. All right, let's see uh, what else we got from Joel. We just answered that. Sorry, man. We Let's see. Yeah, we, we just grabbed that. Joel, jumping in. Appreciate your support Thank on you, though, Super Joe. Chat. Yes. As always, Nick Klinger on YouTube, he says, what's this report that Mariota, Marcus Mariota, might be our backup quarterback? I heard it from 104.3 The Fan. Ah, well, That's there you go. Me, Nick, I haven't heard that. Um, you know, if you look at the three things that are important in terms of finding the, the right backup for Drew Locke, you want a guy who has some experience, obviously, that could, that's also willing to kind of mentor a young Drew Locke without – and here's where it gets complex, Zach – posing a direct threat to Drew Locke. I'm not sure Marcus Mariota hits all three of those, although he, his his clout right now in the NFL is pretty minuscule. I, I want nothing to do with the guy, even as a backup. Anyone that can come in and create headlines, create narratives, just like 104.3 The Fan is doing now, I'm mentioning his name. He has that name recognition where wherever, wherever he would land, there would always be that story waiting to be written. Oh, but how long until he starts? Can he have a reclamation project with this new team? I don't want that next to Drew Locke. I don't want Locke looking over his shoulder. I don't want him feeling any sort of pressure. He needs to be the guy. If they want an experienced guy behind Drew Locke, they have Brandon Allen. They can go out and draft a guy in the seventh round. Not Marcus Mariota, not Case Keenum, definitely not Joe Flacco. No veteran guy who holds any sort of name recognition or can cause some, some back page rumors. It's Drew Locke's team. It needs to be that way the entire season this is the overtime podcast network not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies joe biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine they push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ariel jumps in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Ariel. you, Ariel. It's a $5 donation. I want to use this scouting co 
this oh super chat sorry about says scouting comment to congratulate you guys for the work you put into these podcasts thank you for staying humble and professional go broncos appreciate you Ariel. thank you yes we're gonna keep doing it as long as you guys keep showing up and participating in this conversation we're gonna keep showing up four times a week if not more as we get into the off season we'll cook up some more james qualifying what he's trying to say earlier that not being aggressive enough this coming season you know here's the thing james the denver broncos have the means to be extremely aggressive in free agency and the draft. I mean, they're going to have a minimum of $62 million to spend in free agency. We've talked about this before, but if you dial back to 2014, everybody thinks of Elway's crowning achievement, aside from Peyton Manning, in free agency as being that 2014 class that was DeMarcus Ware, TJ Ward, Akeem Tlaib, Emmanuel Sanders. Elway made all that hay with those four guys with $30 million in cap space. The Broncos are starting off with 62. Two other moves, Flacco, Leary, they get upwards of $80 million in cap space. So financially, they have the means to be a big-time player on the free agent market. And then, Zach, they have 12 picks in this coming draft, five of which I've already – I think this is the third time I've said it – in the top 100. If this isn't the year the Broncos really show some aggression in terms of swinging for the fences, both free agency and the draft, they might not ever get a better chance. And they're this close. You know, They've stacked two draft classes back-to-back now. If they can do one more, it could be what this team needs to officially get over the hump, climb back out of the cellar. I mean, Elway talked about bouncing off the bottom. We feel like we're on the rise again finally. Stacking one more draft class and one more free agent class could be the the missing ingredient to complete the rebuild. I would even wager to say, Chad, the Broncos have been aggressive already. I mean, firing your offensive coordinator after only one season, replacing him with a quarterback guru and Pat Shermer, then getting his his right-hand man as a, as a quarterback's coach, that's an aggressive move. And to your point, I do think Elway feels they're that close, and it's a new day in Broncos football. I mean, not only do they have the, the money to spend, the draft picks to spend, they have a franchise quarterback leading the team finally. No retreads, no band-aids. They finally have a young nucleus of talent they're building around, and and Elway knows they're a couple players away. They finally have the coaching staff. They're a couple players away from getting over that hump and going back to the playoffs. So that's why I feel if there's going to be a year they trade up, it's going to be this year. If there's going to be a year they blow a lot of uh, you know cap space on high price free agents, it's this year. They have the means and they have the need. And I think those two factors will coalesce this offseason. Hunter, I it's just not showing up on our end, bro. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, maybe reach out to me privately um, on uh, by email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. I can put in a ticket to YouTube and ask them what's going on there, but it's just not coming through, buddy. I don't know what to say on that. That's a, that's a first for us. Um, let's grab this one here from Suede Cordova. He says, why are there rumors of franchise tagging Justin Simmons instead of creating a long-term deal? Uh, the answer is that that's just kind of one of the tools that front offices use it's to to secure that long-term deal because, it's, I mean, look at what how Elway's used the franchise tag. In every case, in all four times that he has franchise tagged a player in the spring, that player is then re-signed to a long-term deal and doesn't actually play on the franchise tag by the time the season starts. And if Simmons does indeed get franchise tagged, the reason behind it is Elway wants to remove him from the pot from the open market so outside teams can't muddy the water. He's locked into the Broncos, and then it buys him that window of time to negotiate with Simmons' camp for a long-term deal. It's nothing to worry about. Right. Even if they do place the tag on him, and it's not really a rumor because Simmons himself has said he expects the Broncos to place a tag on him. They would have until July 15th under the current CBA terms to negotiate a long-term deal. It's plenty of time. One way or the other, he'll be playing for the Broncos this season, and he'll be making a lot of money regardless if it's a one-year deal or a multi-year deal. But I'm with Chad. I think it will get hammered out, but just don't be um, worried if you place this franchise tag. It's just a means to an end for an NFL team. It's just a tool. That's all it really is. Terry jumps in. Up in Canada, proving, as always, that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He says, hey, guys, do you think Marcel Darius is a fit if the Jags release him? And thank you for the donation, Terry. We appreciate you, as always, my friend. Thank you. The Jags made – everyone thought that the cap casualties, the buzz we were picking up, it was either going to be – or both of Calais Campbell and A.J. Bouye. But it ended up being Marcel Darius – there could be other heads that roll. But for now, it's Marcel Darius. Do you see him being a fit? Now, the Broncos famously passed up on him to draft Vaughn Miller in 2011, and he's talked about it publicly, how you know how much that stuck in his craw that he should have gone to Denver, was expecting him to go to Denver, the Broncos passed on him, et cetera, et cetera. But do you see him as a potential fit this time around? 
I don't. And if there's any former Buffalo Bill defensive tackle that I want, Chad, it's Jordan Phillips. I don't want Marcel Darius. I think his best days are behind him. He has some attitude issues, some injury concern issues, and uh, the Broncos can do much better either on the open market or th- through the draft, restocking the defensive line. Number one priority is either re-signing Shelby Harris or Derek Wolf first. It is an arms race, Zach. I saw that on, new uh, record on Super Chat TG. Goodness gracious. <laughs> The wow. new champion on Super Chat, the new uh, leader. I, I in the literally take my hat off to you. Thank you. Yeah, that floors us, bro. That is crazy. That us. You've been a longtime supporter. I mean, ever since we, I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast, but I know that ever since we started taking this show live each and every episode, you've been consistent, diligent viewer, listener, supporting the show on Super Chat with the comments, being a part of the community. And this just takes it over the top, brother. We, I don't know what else to say, man. We appreciate you so much. There's no words. Reach out to us also. If we don't yes. we can send you any gear, we'll for sure take care of you. TG, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We want to send you a little thank you. It's the least we can do to yes. show our appreciation for, for you, my friend. So please don't forget to do that. Let's uh, let's hook up here. Uh, let's grab Joel again. He says, how, how good do you guys think Dalton Reisner could be? I do think he's also an important piece for us the next couple of years. Dalton Reisner... He's already good. <laughs> Pro Bowl. He's already Pro Bowl caliber. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't suffer that ankle injury down the stretch, you know, he, there's a good chance he ends up as a Pro Bowl alternate as a rookie, in my opinion. Didn't work out for him that way. Kind of lost some momentum toward the end. And yeah, I don't know if it's the ankle, the rookie wall, whatever you want to call it. But he's going to be one year older and wiser by the time 2020 rolls around. I don't think it's outside the bounds of the plausible, Zach, to kind of pencil him in as a future Pro Bowl guy for this team. I, I think he's a perennial all pro chat. I think he, I don't want to say Hall of Famer quite yet, but he was a plug and play day one starter. He just had that feel, didn't he, of being just an instant impact player, an instant Pro Bowl type talent. He is going to be the future of the Broncos O line the next 10 years. And I would not, it's not crazy to venture to say he could be in the Ring of Fame one day, Chad. He's that good. He has that much potential. And his story is just so rad. The fact right. that he's. Colorado born and bred from yeah. Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins is out on the plains, you know, a little bit closer to Kansas, but it's still Colorado. And um, well, that's not true that it's closer to Kansas, but it's out on the plains. And either way, he grew up a Broncos fan. Phenomenal story. Hunter says, uh, to break down my last comment, I'm trying to say the best season Von Miller had is with two good defensive tackles. I think we get that. Okay. So let's talk about that as a, as a concept here. Von Miller's career high sacks came in his second year, 2012, 18 and a half, which is also a franchise single season record. He broke the the mark that was held by Elvis Dumerville. I think it was co-owned by Elvis Dumerville and Simon Fletcher. You Broncos historians, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But Von Miller's best year came in 2012. I'm trying to think back to who the defensive tackles were that year. And I'm thinking it was one year before Pot Roast got to town. Uh, I'm thinking Kevin Vickerson. Who was the other guy? I'm not sure who the other – it'll come back to me, but I don't think of any like top-shelf defensive tackle in 2012. And then, of course, 2015, now that was a different story. I mean, that whole defensive – that whole front seven was legit, an all-time collection of talent. He had the likes of Sylvester Williams, former first-round pick, started at nose tackle in the Super Bowl, Derek Wolf. Malik Jackson. So if that's what you're talking about, Hunter, 2015, as the tackles, you know, in a 3-4 defense, let's just say defensive tackle type players, that makes sense. But Von Miller's paid to get those sacks regardless of who is lined up inside of him or between him and Bradley Chubb's act. Fully agree with you. And I'm not saying he has to get 20 sacks a year, but for what he's making, which is franchise quarterback money, he needs more than eight sacks. He needs to be in the double digits every single season, regardless of Chubb's injury, regardless of the personnel around him. He's being paid to be a premier pass rusher. He needs to perform like a premier pass rusher. It would help to have pocket pushers. That's why I want to still keep on Demarcus Walker. I want Draymond Jones to get some burn. That's why I want Shelby Harris to come back. But he needs to do his job, Von Miller. You can blame it on the injury. You can blame it on his weight gain, whatever. But he needs to do his job better because it didn't cut it last season. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. That's just the that's just the truth, you guys. Like we expect more from Von Miller and charge it to whatever you want. Vic Fangio's scheme, getting a little bit older, whatever. No Bradley Chubb. I don't know. He just needs to, to step it up. Kareem, uh, Kareem Gomez, I almost called you Kareem Jackson, <laughs> says, what should we expect from Bradley Chubb next season? Zach, what do you think? I, I think a bounce back. I mean, obviously, Bradley Chubb showed what he's capable of in his rookie season, and he was, I think, going to be primed to have a good sophomore campaign. But uh, 10 sacks, 12 sacks should always be the floor for someone like Bradley Chubb working opposite a guy like Von Miller. Chubb also has that talent, and he has the potential to be the next Von Miller for the Broncos. So I'm looking for a nice bounce back, 30-year campaign, fully healthy for, for uh, Bradley Chubb. I'm looking for 12 sacks out of the gates. I'm still pissed off that he received next to no accolades for what he produced as a rookie in 2018. I mean, he is literally in the thinnest of air. He is amongst the elite of elite of all time NFL sack artists. 10 other players ever have had 12 or more sacks in a, in their rookie season. He was only two and a half away from the all time record and he couldn't get defensive player of the year. Went to what um, the, the Chargers safety, uh, Derwin James. Derwin James, thank you. I almost called him Edrin James. I'm mixing up names here tonight, like left and right. Anyway, Bradley Chubb, he's going to come back. I think you'll see him kind of get out to a little bit of a slow start as the Broncos put him on a little bit of a pitch count to work him back in and not get too greedy. But come the middle of the season and down the stretch, he's going to be a phenomenal tool for this team. Mark jumps in on Super Chat with a $5 donation. You, I don't mind donating to people that work for a living like myself. Hashtag state of being. <laughs> and Wadman shot his wad. He sucks. The look <laughs> on Chad's face. Mark, uh, we, we corresponded, of course, after the fact yesterday. You got some some gear coming your way. Already been put in in the order. Should probably get it by the end of the week, my friend. We appreciate you. Yes. And thanks for keeping the keeping us smiling and grinning on this oh, show. Always, added yeah. some levity. We appreciate it. Ron, you as well, my friend. We corresponded on uh, email yesterday. We got a shirt coming your way. Appreciate your support Thank on Super you, Chat. It means the world to us. He says, who is your dream wide receiver in free agency and the draft? I also read about Bears-Broncos possible joint practices and training camp thoughts and takeaways on this. Well, let's start with the first one, Zach. For me, it would be the dream, and I'm not predicting this. It'd probably be Amari Cooper in terms of what's available right now. Right. I don't want to pay $20 million bucks for a wide receiver. So if you could get Amari Cooper for – you know, 12, 13 million bucks a year. Okay, I'll talk, but that's just not going to happen. So that would be the dream, though, to answer your question, Ron. Free agency, that's free agency. The draft, mm. I think rugs would be the dream. I mean, but it's sounding like, I mean, look, those mitts, right? He's got 10 and one eighth inch hands. I mean, it's phenomenal. And if he runs as fast in the 40 as they think he's going to run, he's probably going to be the first receiver off the board, Zach. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Amari Cooper is far and away. It's not a great uh, wide receiver or free agent class this year, but he's far and away the best on the open market. But I don't really want to sign him at, for the reasons we laid out yesterday's pod. We're not going to take up more time doing that. In the draft, it's, it's way more subjective, but this will come down to how they test and which receivers fit the Broncos system the best. It could be Jerry Judy. It could be CeeDee Lamb. It could be Henry Ruggs. I think when it's all said and done, though, the best receiver in the draft, testing-wise, come the draft, will be Ruggs or C.D. Lamb. So either one would be the, the dream scenario. And if the Broncos can get one of them, they're in really good shape. And for what it's worth, I mean, Chenault, if he runs 4-4 or even slightly, like if he gets into the 4-3s, he'll give Ruggs a run for his money for the number one receiver off the board. Like NFL teams will be going crazy with what they could possibly do with a player that dynamic. He checked in pretty uh, pretty heavy for a wide receiver today in the, in the measurements. By the way, guys, go check out the winners and losers from the quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers, measurements today. The article that Eric Trickle published, uh, milehighhuddle.com, go check that out. The second component, though, to what Ron was saying, Zach, about the joint practices. So we learned also today from Mike Kliss that Vic Fangio sounds like they are requesting joint practices with the Bears in the in the training camp this this coming summer. Uh, as far as takeaways, it's just simply a comfort thing. Like Fangio, all of his old acquaintances and players and coaching friends and whatnot is Chicago, and they're just trying to uh, you know make that magic together this this summer. Yeah, Bryce Callahan against his former team, uh, maybe Prince Amukamara against his former team, obviously Fangio and Donatel. It's just for familiarity, like Chad said, you're practicing against an opponent that's a little more simulation to a game rather than just a regular practice between your own teammates. Like they've done with the 49ers last couple years, it doesn't make much of a difference going into the regular season. It's more of a fun thing they do uh, during the summer. Ty on YouTube, he says, predict Philip Lindsay's season next year. Will he step up and become that dual threat? He has linked up with Christian McCaffrey. You know, I've told you guys before on this pod that I think you're going to see Lindsey's yardage go up in Shermer's offense, and then I think you're going to see him go from, you know, 35 receptions, which he posted each year he's been in the league. Uh, I think that's going to climb to closer to 50 receptions, and so his yardage is probably going to come close to double as a receiver. Like this is a this is a running back who could very feasibly, in my opinion, in this offense, give you 1,600 yards from scrimmage and, you know, do so on 250 touches, which would be phenomenal. Right. Hey, I, I, it's way too early to put, uh, you know, numbers or statistic projections on Philip Lindsay. The, the only things I will say, though, he'll be a better pass catcher, and I think you'll see more of the game-changing, game-breaking plays you saw from him as a rookie that were kind of gone last year. That's what I can predict for Philip Lindsay in Pat Shermer's system. More of a game-breaking player, the, the staple of the offense, the one, not the 1A running back, better pass catcher out of the backfield, and putting up more points on the scoreboard for Denver. Mike, we appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Good yes. to have you live, my friend. James jumps back in on Super Chat. He says, thanks, guys. means a lot to me. We need a Kelsey killer like TJ Ward was a Gronk killer. Jackson maybe, but we need that again for sure. You know, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, <clears throat> they are going to be your projected starting safety duo. If you think about it, Kelsey, you know, he, he got his against the Broncos, and that's really the only fly in the ointment. Otherwise, the Broncos did surprisingly well against the tight ends for the first time in a long time under Vic Fangio last year, and that's encouraging. Except for Darren Waller. They kind of had a little deficiency against him. But, but, you know, they've gotten a lot better than they did the last couple of years. And between having, you know, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, and A.J. Johnson, three very athletic players on defense, they can contain these tight ends. You're never going to stop Travis Kelsey. He is always going to get his. He's always going to produce. He's just that good. But they can contain those players and keep them in check. And they have the horses right now to do so. Hunter, that might be the issue, buddy. I'm going to go in after this pod and see if somehow you got put in – there was one time, remember that one time, Zach, where I accidentally put some, blocked somebody on YouTube right. and I was trying to put someone else in timeout or put something? Him in the troll super, came in. Yeah, super chat jail. I'll have to go check and and see, Hunter, because if that's the case, then that's that's the reason why your super chats aren't coming through as well. Um, all right, we got a, time for a few more guys, and uh, there's a few super chats that have stacked up, so I'm going to grab those. Holden Adams jumps in on super chat with a five dollar donation. Appreciate you, Holden. Which center or guards in the draft would you love to see in the orange and blue? It's a big need with Leary and McGovern both most likely leaving. Um, you know, if if the answers we're about to give you 
aren't quite as satisfactory as you'd like, save it, Holden, and, and holler back tomorrow and talk to Nick and Carl because they they know each and every prospect that's in this class. I don't. Zach doesn't. That's not our bag. Uh, we leave it up to the draft experts to know, you know, each and every guard prospect in their scouting report, each and every tackle, each and every center, the whole nine yards. But the guys that have interested me thus far in my research I've done in the draft, especially, you know, let's say day one and day two caliber prospects, the guy I keep coming back to is uh, the wa- Nick Harris from Washington. Okay. Uh, I think it's Harris. Yeah. From Washington. And then Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU. Those are the two guys that I think fans should keep an eye on in this draft. Yeah, Cushenberry, that was what I was going to say. He really intrigues me. He can play the interior, and they might need to do center with uh, McGovern possibly exiting in free agency. And also Tristan Wirfs for tackle. I know he's a a well-known name, but he could fall to the Broncos at 15, and they might pull the trigger on him to give them some insurance behind Juwan James or Garrett Bowles. So definitely those two names for me is Wirfs and Cushenberry in this draft. I just realized we hadn't grabbed anyone on Periscope tonight, so let's grab Bluegrass Bronco, who says, Have you heard... Uh, of Andrew Thomas, the Georgia tackle, sliding down draft boards. Yes, I have. We have. Would you still take him if he fell? You know, a month or so ago, he was up there in terms of um, draft clout, draft stock with the Tristan Wirfs of the world. I think he's probably still going to go in the first round, but he's not going to be a top 15 pick. I think he'll be there at 15 if the Broncos want to take a chance on him. I still like him quite a bit, especially because my dude is a drummer. He plays the drums, and so do I. And so that that puts him up a couple extra notches in my book. But, you know, it's just kind of a it's the way it goes for some prospects when it comes to the draft. He you know, their their stock rises, falls, depends on the narratives that get created in the draft and community. Sometimes media can create things. Teams put things out, smoke signals, different things to try and affect a player's draft stock to make it more favorable for them. But the best thing Andrew Thomas can do at this point, Zach, is crush it at the combine. If he crushes it at the combine, he'll keep himself firmly entrenched in that first round conversation. Another thing they can do is uh, gas mask bongs before draft. That could also <laughs> torpedo someone's draft spot really quick, like Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Andrew Thomas, great tackle prospect, but like Chad was saying, he might not be a top 15 pick, and it would come down to whoever's on the board at that time. If all the receivers are gone, defensive line is gone, cornerbacks are gone at 15, and Thomas is sitting there, they might pull the trigger, but right now I don't see him being their number one pick far and away uh, in the draft at 15. All right, guys, I want to make sure I don't miss any super chats because we got to wind this particular pod down a little bit. James wants to know why Lindsay didn't make the Pro Bowl again. Thanks again for the donation, James. Thank you, James. Down, bro. Um, you know, honestly, he just didn't have – think back to his rookie year. Lindsay was producing just – I mean, from whatever it was, week 10 on, I mean, it was explosive play after explosive play. Think about that Cincinnati game where he went for like a buck 60, a couple touchdowns, and both touchdowns were long jumps. They weren't just goal line touchdowns. And if you're honest with yourself about his uh, 2019 body of work, Zach, he just wasn't, he just didn't have as many flash plays as he did the year before. And there were a lot of running backs this year that had prolific production that frankly deserved it more than Philip Lindsay. And I think Philip Lindsay would probably be the first one to tell you that like, it just wasn't his, his second year just wasn't as good as his first year, but it doesn't mean that his third year can't be better than either. I think he's building up steam. You got to get the right uh, offensive coordinator in there. I think Shermer is the right guy. I think you're going to see him set career high in rushing yards this year and receptions. Yeah, I mean, getting to a 1,000 yards isn't this big deal as I think most fans make it out to be. What is it, like 78 or 68 yards per game? It's not that important. What's important are game-changing plays, splash plays, plays that change the complexion of a ball game or win a ball game on its own. Phillip Lindsay had those in 2018, didn't really have those in 2019. When you see more of those, and now that he's a household name, he'll be getting that recognition. But then you have to also consider, look at the Broncos' bias in the media. Look how Cortland Sutton, look at those those True. Pro Bowl snubs. I mean, the Broncos just don't have a good rep in national circles. So that's why Philip Lindsay didn't get that recognition. But I'm with Chad. I don't think he deserved it last year. On its face, a thousand yards, however many touchdowns he had, wasn't that impressive. It's what he was doing with those carries that left a lot to be desired. I think that will improve with Shermer calling the plays in 2020. Yeah, and don't take that like we're insulting the Colorado kid. We're not. Like his second year just wasn't quite as prolific and explosive no, as facts. his rookie year. But it'll come back. Don't worry about Philip Lindsay. He's one of, what is it, three or f- four running backs in Broncos history. Think of all the 1,000-yard rushers 
in the Mike Shanahan uh, resume, right, in Denver. Philip Lindsay joins, I believe it's Mike Anderson, Terrell Davis, Clinton Portis. Okay, that's pretty dang good company to be in as the only running backs to post back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So that if that doesn't put him in a class all his own and kind of portend, hint at what's to come, I don't know what else will. Hunter jumps in on Super Chat, $5 donation. Thank you, Honor. Appreciate you, bro. Orange hat is sick. Hey, dude, I'll get one made up and put on the merch store just for you, my friend. Um, any rumors from the weigh-ins at the Combine? Not so much, although it was interesting, Zach. I, I don't know if – I'm sure you saw this. Uh, Joe Burrow yeah. saying, oh, I'm con- I don't know, these small <laughs> retirement. Hands, man. I'm <laughs> contemplating retirement. Yeah, that was funny. That is like, you know, the draft guys, they take every little thing so – Seriously, right? And and some some draft guys can be a little sanctimonious about all the minuscule weigh-ins and what they mean and how it applies. And I know NFL teams, you know, it's a f- part of the evaluation. They factor it all in. But look at what, for example, and I quote tweeted this after the fact, but look at Jared Goff, nine-inch hands, went number one overall. He's had a pretty – I mean, his, he's trending down a little bit, but look at his first few years in the league. I mean, he's been a stud, led his team to the Super Bowl. Drew Locke, nine-inch hands, didn't have the biggest hands either. And he's – it. you know, there's certain – what do you worry about hand size for when it comes to a quarterback? Gripping it in cold and wet weather, that's it. And I think it's overblown, and I'd like to see it stop being such a big part in terms of yes. deciding someone's draft stock, especially at the quarterback level, unless we're talking freakishly small. <laughs> yeah. But nine-inch, dude, that's yeah. still a big mitt. If you, I mean, do this, okay? Here's how they measure it. Here's, let me get my hand in the frame. Measure from this pinky to the tip of this thumb, whatever that is. If you got nine inch hands, you should have been a quarterback. <laughs> I don't put too much stock in that either, Chad. In terms of gripping a football, that's why they make gloves nowadays. So in terms of quarterbacks, you can have eight and a half inch hands, nine inch hands. You can still be a really good quarterback. And look at Drew Locke. He proves that point. He has the arm. He has everything you want in a franchise QB, but he has what are quote unquote smaller hands. Uh, Burrow is going to be a fantastic pro. And uh, I love self-deprecation too. The fact that he's poking fun at himself, he earned more points in my book for that. TG jumps back in. With another donation, wow. 20 bucks this time. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Zach, that earns another donation. CD or Rug, <laughs> love both those guys. Thank you, TG. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, Jonathan jumps in from New Mexico, $5 donation. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate Send you. Love from, from New Mexico. Keep up the great content. Appreciate yes, you, brother. Sir. And by the way, Stu is the all-time leader in the clubhouse. When it comes to the the support of this podcast, Stu has been – I mean, he is he's put his – for lack of a better term, his his money where his mouth is. You know, he's supporting the, the the cause. We've never asked him to do that, and yet he does it out of the kindness of his heart and the passion for his team and and this podcast. So, Stu, you uh, you're number one in our hearts, my friend. You know that. Stu, right, the OG, the OG indeed. Let me grab. We got to do these ones rapid fire because we're running out of time. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone here. Okay, I'm not. So these last three, no more can be taken. Let's grab Andrew, my dog. He jumps in, $5 donation. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate you, bro. Gun to your head. Do the Broncos make the playoffs next year? The Chiefs being Super Bowl champs suggest we'll need a wild card and a good record. Gun to my head. And I honestly don't believe it's orange-colored glasses. Yes. they make. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the Broncos will make it with a 10-6 and record if Drew Locke pans out and stays healthy. Gun to my head right now. Joseph jumps in, $5 donation. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. First time catching y'all live. Keep it up, fellas. Does Elway get fired if Drew is a bust? Mm. Well, Elway, I mean, he'd have to bust pretty hard in order for it to be obvious and evident that he's a bust. I don't think you're going to see that happen. But if it did happen, Elway's got 2020 and 2021 left on his deal. Probably a good chance. Yeah, I mean, because if Drew busts, that means the Broncos continue to, to flail and they continue to be a seller dweller. Even though last year they finished second in the AFC West, yada, yada, yada. But sub-500 records, if that continues, put it this way, he probably doesn't get re-upped because of his right. importance to the organization and being the face and figurehead of this team right. since 1983. Joe Ellis and that Pat Bowen Trust, they probably find a you know, political way Mut- to do mutual. it. Mutual. Yeah, so it's saved some face for the, the greatest player in team history. But, yeah, I would say yes. 
I'm with you. That's a great point, Chad, about his contract. It, it, he can weather Drew Locke busting this season in his first full season as a starter. But next season, if the Broncos go, let's say, you know, five and eleven, six and ten, and Drew Locke is healthy, and they still just they don't miss the playoffs, and uh, all those other things don't work out, I think they will come to terms with parting and going their separate ways. They won't fire him for the reasons that Chad said. They'll, they'll dress it up and make it seem like it was a mutual thing. But if Drew Locke doesn't pan out, Elway will not get another contract with Denver. You know, Mile High Truth jumps in and. and- this is a quick aside, and we'll grab Chris here. L.A. is untouchable. In many ways, he is. I mean, not many GMs can survive three consecutive – well, first of all, four consecutive seasons of missing the playoffs, three of which you're losing seasons, sub-500. But L.A.'s cred and clout, not only with the as a former player and a Hall of Famer and all that, but let's face it, he brought a world championship to this organization as a front office czar. You know, bottom uh, – some additional rope at bottom of a honeymoon phase that most GMs probably wouldn't get. So in that sense, yes, he is untouchable. If it came to a point where, you know, Joe Ellis felt like a change needed to be made. All we're saying is they're probably going to find a diplomatic way to do it, to preserve his image, to preserve his reputation within the fan base, even though for some they've already soured. It's a, it's a minority and a fraction of Broncos country. But last year, Zach, when the Broncos started 0 four, how many calls for Elway's head oh, yeah. are you going with on this podcast, on right. social media? So you, you can't put anything past it. But, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either way. Drew Locke, I agree with Elway. They've bounced off the bottom, and Drew Locke, I think, is the truth. All right, Chris, last one, guys, then we're getting out of here. Appreciate your donation, bro. Thank you, Chris. I have nothing to say. Just wanted to say, <laughs> go, go, Steve. What am I missing here? What's go, go, Steve? Steve Baumgartner. Oh, yes. If that's <laughs> I'm dude. assuming one of our big super chat our supporters. Dude, yep. Steve set the record yesterday and TG broke it. Biggest individual super chat today. Blows our mind. Every day I pinch myself. I get done with this. I talk to my wife. I, yeah. I I just we're so lucky to be able to do this for you guys and your support just means the world to us. Guys, we gotta do it. That uh it's gotta do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, thank you for joining the show. Make sure you are following the appropriate social media accounts, especially on Twitter. Make sure you're following us at huddle up pod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL myself at Chad and Jensen. And because we ran a little bit long, I'm not going to do a share screen, but make sure you head on over to huddle up pod, uh, huddle up, huddle up pod.com and check out the merch store guys, because that's just another organic way to support what we're doing here. And uh, get yourself some good-looking swag, okay, and uh, support the cost. But here's what to expect moving forward. Of course, this is the Combine Week. Lots going to be happening. You're not going to want to miss tomorrow night's Building the Broncos. They'll be going live 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, and they'll be really rolling up their sleeves and diving into all the Combine buzz. They've been following every little nugget that's coming out of Indianapolis. So that should be appointment watching and listening for each and every one of you. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Zach and I will be back in the saddle Wednesday, and I'm sure between now and then we're going to have a lot to talk about because tomorrow Vic Fangio addresses the media at the Combine, and then he'll be pulled aside for a little you know, powwow with the local beat writers, and even more will come out of that conversation. And then John Elway is expected to talk tomorrow also from the Combine. We don't know the time yet. Fangio, I believe, is going at 9 a.m. Elway, I think it was originally scheduled, Zach, for noon, but he's also been pulled into these competition committee meetings, and that has kind of put his time that he's going to take to the podium up in the air a little bit. But I would say sometime tomorrow afternoon, we're we're also going to hear from John Elway. So Zach and I will be breaking all that stuff down in the written form between now and when you hear from us again on Wednesday night, and then we'll address it all again uh, on the podcast, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Zach, have a great start to your week, bro. You as well, Chad, and I think we misconfused that. It was Steve Atwater that uh, okay. Christopher was celebrating there, his uh, induction to the Hall of Fame. So we see yes. you, Steve. Both Steves. First names, it just goes over my head. But still, Steve Baumgartner, you're the man. <laughs> Stu, you're the man. TG, Machiavelli, wherever you are, dog. I don't know if you'll, you'll probably listen to this after the fact. You guys are at the very top. Mark Langley, Ron, all you guys. Everyone. If I, if yeah. I don't mention you, you know we love you, and your support means the world to us. But we got to get out of here for now, guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you Wednesday night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.